Hello, heathens, and welcome to Spinning the Wheel Podcast with me, your frosty host, Megan Angus. And this week, we are going to be discussing in bulk season, new moon in Aquarius, lunar week number one. That's right. This is the first lunar week of the new lunar year that is observed by billions of people around the planet. Now, as we've talked about in the classes uh, and in the podcasts, um, this is not the only lunar calendar by far. Um, Jewish folks have a lunar calendar. They set their calendar by the moon. Well, it's loony solar, right? <laughs> but um, their new year starts in September, generally speaking. Um, uh, Muslims also follow a strictly lunar calendar and their new year, the beginning of their year moves uh, throughout time. So th this isn't the only one, but it's a big one. There are literally billions of people around the planet that are going to be celebrating a new year's type of celebration uh, tonight, tomorrow, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, all of this week um, from January, excuse me, uh, January 31st here on the West Coast of America, uh, very late tonight is actually the new moon. Tomorrow, it's the new moon for everybody else around the planet, uh, Northern and Southern Hemisphere. So um, this is a big deal. Now, um, before we get into all of that, let me let me do the stuff, right? Uh, first off, we just had our um, Wheel of the Year class on Imbolc, the current or the upcoming uh, witches' Sabbath that is happening, the holy day that is happening for pagans, lots of pagans, not all, um, as well. And so we talked about uh, lots of stuff concerning this entire season. Uh, it's a two-hour class. It's up for free on YouTube. If you haven't watched it, check it out. All the links will be in the description for this podcast, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we went over the symbolism of the season, the holy days of the season, the astrology, the astronomy. We talked about a lot of it. We're going to get into the granulars and the particulars over the course of the next eight weeks or so here in the podcast. But um, if you haven't watched that yet, you might want to go watch that first before you listen to this podcast just to kind of get you up to speed with the symbolism um, and the mythos and the folklore and, and the archetypes and the entities that we are working with. So we just had our Imbolc class. As I said, it's up on YouTube. Um, everybody that is uh, uh, subbed to me through Patreon, thank you so much. It is because of my patrons that I am able to offer those classes for free. They used to be 25 bucks, 35 bucks a head. Um, so if you can support the work uh, financially, please subscribe to my Patreon. So many thank yous for those who can and do. Um, and if you sub at the $23 level, um, you are basically supporting the class. You're basically buying your ticket for the class. And uh, folks that are subbed at $9 and higher have access to um, the Patreon bag of holding, wherein you will find the recording of the class, the workbook that I refer to throughout the class, all of the slides, the eight-week calendar, and so much more. Uh, bibliography, um, lots of reference materials, all of that stuff. So thanks for those who can and do. Um, but if you can't 
financially get involved. I totally understand. As I've talked about before, world's kind of crappy right now. So um, share this podcast, share the video for the class, show it to a friend, show it to a loved one. Um, if you can give the video and this podcast a thumbs up, a like, uh, subscribe or follow. And if you're p- feeling particularly uh, hedonistic, you can rate this podcast with five stars. Five, of course, being an extremely occult number. Um, if you are wanting to know about upcoming classes and upcoming workshops, uh, sign up for my irregular newsletter. It's free. I send it out from my website occasionally. Um, <laughs> patrons always know about stuff first, but folks who are signed up to my newsletter find out about things second and then uh, the general masses after that. Uh, and I do, in fact, have um, some tarot classes coming up in March. I have three standalone classes coming up and you can find out more about that on my website. All the links in the description of this podcast. Okay, that's enough of the shill. On with the shoe. Let's get into in bulk season, which is work. Um, I like starting our podcast with this to just ground us in the symbolism, ground us in the where we are on the wheel. What were we doing? What are we doing? What are we going to be doing? Okay, so in in bulk season, our witch's work centers around purification. That's a word that has a lot of baggage. Don't get crazy. Um, purification perseverance, renewal, and dreams. And of course, we talk about all of that stuff in the class. Um, But what we're going to see in our holy days, in our fixed stars, and other things that come up for us, the astrology, the lunar work, is sort of these drums being beaten over and over and over again, these messages being repeated over and over. And when we look out around the planet at the global themes uh, that we're witnessing in holy days and festivals past and present that everybody else is doing, we're seeing purification, renewal, and rededication. So really staying sort of honed in on these core themes. Okay, so let's get into it. What are we starting with? We're starting on January 31st. Okay, so I know that we talked about January 31st in last week's podcast a little bit because I wanted to give you guys kind of the bridge between these two because this is, is, as I mentioned, such a big holiday, such a big moment for so many people around the planet. But let's roll it back uh, briefly to our lunar work first and then we'll get into the holy days. So January 31st into February 1st, technically, because again, the, the new moon is happening very late on January 31st. It's basically February 1st. We have a black new moon in Aquarius at 12 degrees at 9.46 p.m. Pacific Standard Time the next day for everybody else around the planet. Um, So first off, let's dig into this name a little bit. Why is this a black new moon? Well, new moons can be black for a bunch of different reasons. This new moon is black because it is the second new moon in a calendar month. Our first new moon was January 2nd, and our second new moon is here in the last hours of January 31st. It is not a black new moon for basically everybody else around the planet. Just us special folks over here on the West Coast of America, Alaska, Hawaii, all of us cats. 
Um, okay, so that's what's up with the name. Now let's get into this new moon situation. To reorient us, we've talked about this symbolism before, but let's refresh ourselves, right? What are we doing with the new moon? We are a seed in the black soil. We are full of potential. We are at the start of the process. We are at the beginning of the conversation. We are at the initiatory point of the thing that we're doing. Um, doing our lunar rhythm work is a, is a thing. It's really potent for some folks. It's, you know, whatever for some folks. Um, but it's a way for us to check in every couple of days. Where am I now? How am I doing now? How, do I need to come back to this internal conversation? All of that stuff. So here at the new moon, we're starting the process. We're initiating the process. And what are we doing with a, a new moon in Aquarius? Well, what are we doing in Aquarius? We are having a conversation with ourselves and society at large, uh, humanity at large. We are sitting in our uniqueness, but we are witnessing how everybody is unique, right? I'm a star because we are all stars. And um, and at that same time, I'm also sitting in a place of, I know that I am a unique member of society. I am a member of this group, but I am an individual in the sense that no one else is like me. And that is sort of the gift of the, the collection that is humanity, <laughs> the, the thing of the species, right? Like all of us are doing it, but we're all doing it in our own individualistic way. So when we come to this new moon in Aquarius, we are coming out of Capricorn moon stuff, right? And Capricorn wants us to be thinking about the woulda, coulda, shouldas, uh, the structures of society, the demands of society, what is our duty, what's our obligation, like all that stuff, what are our responsibilities? Um, and a lot of those things are determined and inherited from old structures, old people, old minds, old ways of thinking, right? There's a stability to it, but also there's a, a, a calcification there, right? A stuckness. And so when we come into the new moon in Aquarius, we are sort of standing with a foot in the conversation of this is what my grandpa told me about the way the world is, or this is what my dad told me about the way the world is. Side note, Queen of Tangents, of course. When I'm saying grandpa, when I'm saying dad, I mean any of the beings, any of the societal structures that played those roles in our lives. Sometimes that's literally our grandpa or our dad, but sometimes those are figures in the world, members of our family, friends, other family members, whatever. It could be that our mom and our dad were the same person, um, that thing. But it's, it's that energy of like, this is just the way the world is, kid. And so we're standing with a foot in that, information. Um, and then we're also standing with a foot pointing towards the future where the snow is fresh. The snow is unbroken. There is no footprint there yet. And the, the deep conversation of the new moon in Aquarius is what of this stuff from the past am I going to carry forward? Because the moment that I determine that, I'm going to crunch into this fresh snow that's unmarked and I'm going to make the mark. Um, so we are 
you know, first and foremost, having a conversation with ourselves about what am I going to carry forward from the past? Um, and then secondly, what is my unique stance in all of this stuff? What is my unique take on all of these things? And what is it about me and my differences, my uniqueness that's needed and necessary in whatever it is that's about to happen next as we move towards spring? So to bring that all back down into the mundane, we're thinking about what we've inherited and what we're carrying forward. As we dream about what we are going to become in spring, we want to consider how our starshine illuminates those around us. Remember, all those stars in the sky are suns, even though they may seem really dim from here. You are a sun, and you might be feeling extremely dim at this time of year. Um, this whole week is going to be about remembering why it is that you shine, how you shine, what makes you shine. Um, but here we want to make sure that we are not going into autopilot, that we're not going just into muscle memory and we're grabbing the first piece of information that we can remember, that we know, that we easily have at hand. We want to challenge ourselves to think about our uniqueness our individuality and what we bring to the table, what we bring to the species by insisting on that stuff, um, where it is right and good for us to break with tradition. And you know me, the leftist witch, right? Um, there's plenty of traditions that we're being shown right now in the world that are uh, not cool. <laughs> we don't need to carry them forward. Um, so that stuff is this stuff, how you manifest these things for yourself as an individual speaks to that larger conversation. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about this week. I really wanted to go off on that, but that's all I have time for. Okay. For our lunar body work that we are doing with a new moon in Aquarius, we are awakening, adorning, and stimulating for action, the knees and the ankles. Um, side note, as I say every week, I am not in any way, shape or form a medical or health practitioner or advisor. I am a crazy lady yelling on the internet. <laughs> so if you are wanting to incorporate any of my advice about lunar body work, check with your trusted health guide or practitioner. Uh, and for our plant body work, we are harvesting, we are doing like pest and disease inspection and control, we are plowing, we are weeding, and all of that is for above ground growth because this is the new moon. So we are wanting to encourage above the soil growth here. Okay. We have no astrology of note for this day. So we are going to just dive right into the holy days. All right, our holy days for January 31st slash February 1st, but we are going to actually do a whole separate day for February 1st for everything else. <laughs> um, brings us to Asian Lunar New Year, and this is the year of the tiger. Countries that use calendars based on the traditional Chinese lunar solar calendar celebrate New Year on the first day of the second new moon after winter solstice. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, as well as in the class. Um, commonly referred to as 
Chinese New Year or Lunar New Year. The holiday has different names in different countries. It's called Spring Festival in China. It's Tet in Vietnam, Losar in Tibet, Nepal, and Bhutan, um, Salal in Korea, and Sagaan Sar in Mongolia. Um, just as a side note, I'm, uh, I mentioned this last week, I am not an expert on uh, Eastern astrology at all. Uh, I know a bit about it. Um, but what I do know is uh, that tiger years are very engaging, they're very dynamic, and they can bring about a lot of unexpected stuff. Um, that's not necessarily good or bad, just unexpected. Um, and so uh, it's good to keep in mind that during tiger years, expect situations to change rapidly. And the best way to approach that in general is to have a very easygoing attitude about everything, to not hold on too tightly to plans, but be um, be more about adaptation and flexibility and mutability uh, during tiger years. Uh, mutability in the sense of being able to be um, mutation oriented, like where do I need to move? Where do I need to... Um, um, what shape do I need to turn into now? <laughs> that kind of a thing. Side note, mutations. Uh, so you know, <laughs> there's that too, right? Okay. In China and in countries with significant Chinese diaspora, Chinese New Year is one of the most prominent and celebrated festivals. I know here in Seattle, as I mentioned last week, we have a really, really dope Lunar New Year celebration that takes place over several days. Uh, in present-day China, the first day of the new year marks the beginning of the 15-day long spring festival, and the final day of the Chinese New Year celebration is known as the Lantern Festival, and I believe that because it's 15 days later, it will fall on the full moon. So basically, these first two weeks or lunar weeks of the lunar year are sort of this big multi-day, multi-week festival that's happening. Chinese New Year is associated with a number of traditions that vary widely depending on the region. In most Chinese families, and really we could say in most Asian families, New Year's Eve or day is marked with a reunion dinner, which is often considered the most important to get to get a uh, get-together meal of the year. Um, other things that we see um, Chinese folks as well as lots of other Asian folks do for Lunar New Year, um, ancestor worship thoroughly cleaning one's house to sweep away any bad luck, as well as to sweep all of the old energy out the door. Decorating doors and windows with um, red paper cut flowers, um, red banners, um, lighting firecrackers, attending fireworks displays. Uh, a very traditional practice is giving money in a red envelope. And the red envelope the color of red specifically um, is a symbol of good luck designed to ward off evil spirits. Another really popular um, tradition during this festival, and you will see it all over the world tomorrow um, for this, this holiday proper, is depositing money. It's so popular that if you want to, you can go online, find out what your Eastern astrology sign is is and that's based on the year that you were born not day or month you don't need to know your time or anything like that you just need to know the day and the year that you were born and you can find your eastern sign and then look up eastern sign or lunar new year deposit times depositing money into the bank on lunar new year day is 
incredibly good luck. It's very fortuitous. And basically what we're saying with this energy or with this, this symbol, this practice is we're starting out the year putting money in the bank. We like that, right? Nothing wrong with that. Um, and folks will even go inside the bank, take money out and go back outside to the ATM and deposit it. <laughs> it really is about the symbolic gesture. It doesn't have to be new money. <laughs> um, I mean, it, yeah, never mind. <laughs> I mean to say that it doesn't have to be money that you just made that day. Um, but you can look up exactly the time of day that it will be the most fortuitous for your sign to deposit money. Any amount of money is great. The more, the better. Um, but it really is a, a cool energetic symbol, uh, to yourself and the universe of like, nope, we're starting out the day, making money, putting money into the bank. Really love it. Also on this day from our friends and ancestors in Assam, we have Midam Mifai. This is the most important ancestor veneration festival in the traditional religion of the Ahom people, an ethnic group from the Indian states of Assam and Arunachal Pradesh. It is celebrated annually on January 31st, and it has the status of a public holiday in Assam. Uh, and that's everything that we've got for January 31st. So let's move on to February 1st. All right, February 1st, our waxing moon is still hanging out in Aquarius. So we are still doing that uh, new moon waking up to the new cycle kind of uh, witchy action. We have no astrology of note for February 1st. So we are going to dive directly into the holy days. Um, and that starts off with the heliacal rising of two fixed stars. They're basically on top of each other. One is uh, the fixed star Armus, and we find this in the shoulder of the sea goat, a.k.a. Capricorn. And the other fixed star is Albali, um, and Albali means the swallower. Um, it can also mean the brightest of luck of the swallower. And um, this really starts to lead into uh, some of the imagery that we know we're going to work with in Aquarius and in Pisces with some of those other fixed stars um, that talk about the pouring out and the swallowing of the thing that's being poured out. This is imagery that we're going to work with a lot over the next eight weeks. In Latin, the translation is Lucida Fortunae Dissipantis which I think is kind of an interesting play on words there because it's very much about the receiving of a fortune, the receiving of, of fate or fortune. Just note that because we're going to be coming back to it. Um, all right. February 1st kicks off the pagan holiday in bulk. <laughs> What's that all about? Go watch the video, dang it. <laughs> like I said, I've got pieces on my website. Uh, we've got the video up and there's a bunch of extra stuff for patrons as well. Um, but in bulk is basically um, the witnessing of a few things, um, but mostly the halfway mark between winter solstice and spring equinox it is a purification festival and a festival around the idea of waking our spiritual fire back up, um, coming back from the lands of the dead through the lands of dream into the lands of the living at spring equinox. 
So in bulk is very much this sort of ephemeral, nebulous, hazy, foggy, dreamlike bridge between death at Yule and life at spring equinox. From February 1st to February 28th, we have in the United States and a few other places around the world, Black History Month. This is an annual observance originating in the U.S., where it is also known as African American History Month. It has received official recognition from governments in the U.S. and Canada, and more recently, it's been observed in Ireland and the U.K., it began as a way of remembering important people and events in the history of the African diaspora. It's celebrated in February in the U.S. and Canada. It's celebrated in the U.K. and Ireland in October. Also on this day from our Bulgarian friends and ancestors, we have Trifon Zarazan. This is a Bulgarian national custom observed on the 1st or the 14th of February in honor of St. Trifon. Now, if that name alone isn't interesting to you, because it's very similar to the word Typhon, who is a deity that is connected to the sign of Pisces, the sign that comes after Aquarius season, <laughs> at the end of Imbolc season. Um, but this saint is also um, uh, observed as sort of the patron saint of vine growers, falconers, connects us to our air sign of uh, Aquarius, gardeners and innkeepers. The day is historically marking uh, the beginning of the grape pruning season. It usually includes a variety of rituals performed by both men and women alike. And as we move through this season, we are going to see grape vines being honored and venerated here at the outset of the getting ready to start the beginning of the initiation of the growing season. <laughs> Also on this day, from our Celtic Christian friends and ancestors, we have this Feast of St. Brigid. We talked a lot about Brigid in the class, but uh, there is very little reliable information about St. Brigid's life. She was born circa 453 as the child of a lord and the slave of that lord. Growing up, St. Brigid performed many miracles, including feeding the poor and healing folks. Around 480, she founded a monastery at Kildare or Kildara. The monastery was erected on the site where a pagan shrine to the Gaelic goddess Brigid used to be. In the Middle Ages, St. Brigid was syncretized with the pagan goddess Brigid, the patroness of cattle, medicine, and spring, and so much more as we talk about in the class. Brigid's festival in bulk, hey, coincided with St. Brigid's feast day, hey, how convenient, <laughs> and the two holidays eventually merged. On St. Bridget's Day, people typically make Bridget's crosses, which we talk about in the class. Uh, Bridget's cross is a small cross wo woven out of rushes or reeds, which of course would be growing near waterways, which we are tending at this time of year. Um, it's believed to protect the house from evil and from fire. It's a, definitely a, a pretty cool holy symbol. Also on this day, we have the festival of Yemoya from our Brazilian friends and ancestors. Yemoya is the mother of all Orishas. She is herself an Orisha, and in this case, the patron saint of rivers and oceans. Yemoya is motherly and strongly protective and cares deeply for all of her children, comforting them and cleansing them in sorrow. She is said to be able to cure infertility. Cowrie shells represent her wealth. Um, she's not easily angered, but when she is, uh, she can be quite destructive and violent, and floodwaters, turbulent rivers, and storms are 
uh, an expression of her um, anger and frustration, which we certainly see a lot of that at this time of year. All right, let's move on to February 2nd. Okay, February 2nd, our waxing moon enters Pisces. So we're not quite at the waxing crescent just yet. We are no longer just a new moon, but we're pretty close. Um, so first and foremost, uh, anytime our moon is in Pisces, whether it's waxing or waning, I am going to encourage you to do a little bit of daydreaming, some fantasizing, some lollygagging, um, some drifting, all of that stuff. Now, also, side note, February 2nd is a Wednesday, so I totally understand how that might not jive for lots of people's schedules, but in whatever way is possible for you, while the moon is hanging out in Pisces, dreaming, fantasizing, daydreaming are all really potent magical practices. They're really potent spiritual practices. And so in this waxing moon, we're real close to the new moon, right? So this is very much about starting the process or at the beginning of the process kind of a thing. And it's fantasy. So on this moon, which might feel very dreamy, it might feel very fantastic, it might not. But, <laughs> but, but what I encourage you to do, A, is, again, fantasize, daydream, try to remember your dreams and write them down, that type of stuff. But more of the I'm consciously aware and I'm specifically fantasizing about a thing on purpose. So first I want you to engage that space. And then I want you to follow that up with why this fantasy? Why am I fantasizing about this thing in particular? And the answer to those, that question might actually be kind of painful it might be sad. Um, it might be frustrating, right? It might be, I'm fantasizing about this because I fully do not have it in my real life. Uh, I might be fantasizing about this because I've wanted it for so bad for so long. I'm fantasizing about this because I used to have it and I really miss it, right? It might be that it's like kind of a bummer answer when we ask ourselves that question. Like, ooh, here's my fantasy. Why did I pick this fantasy? <laughs> Actually, it's because, right? It's Pisces, so we might have some feels. <laughs> That's okay. I guess emotions are fine. Um, <laughs> you can have some for a treat. Um, but first off, as I said, I want you to engage that fantasy place. The second thing I want you to do is to gently ask yourself, why this fantasy? What am I seeking here? Um, you know, do some journaling around that. But then I want you to follow that up with, what makes me want to come back to reality? And your first answer might be nothing. And I get that <laughs> because that was my first answer. And then I was like, okay, ha ha ha. But really like <laughs> surely something, you know? And, and so I was very cynical when I was first working through this <laughs> for myself. And it was like, you know, food, I guess, you know, I got to poop. That made me, that made me want to come back. I was like, okay, cool. So maintenance of the body. So I still care to some extent about the physical plane. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. I guess I'll answer this question in earnest. And, you know, it was like working with you guys and all that bullshit, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> My point is that this is what we want to do with this fantasy moment. We want to have the fantasy. Then we want to very gently and lovingly question ourselves about the fantasy, write down or reflect on whatever comes up as our answers. And then we want to 
come back with that fourth piece and ask ourselves, okay, cool. Well, what makes me want to come back? What makes me want to come back to reality? Come back into focus, come back into the physical world, come back where there's other people, that thing. What makes me want to come back? And if it's hard to answer that question at first, that is okay. Maybe we could work on this as like a gratitude uh, exercise, right? What makes me come back to the earth? Maybe that list starts off with the things I'm grateful for. Maybe. Just a place. If you're having a hard time, that's just a suggestion of a place you might start uh, to look for answers to that question. While we are working with this waxing moon in Pisces for our lunar body, we are adorning, awakening, stimulating for action, our ankles and our feet in particular. So yes, the petty is a holy act. Absolutely, 100%. For our plant body work, we are planting, we are transplanting, and we are grafting uh, specifically for our plant buddies where we want to stimulate above ground growth. Uh, and we have... No astrology of note on this day either. That is actually the truth for the majority of this week, which is kind of wild. So let us get directly into the holy days of February 2nd. Okay, tuck in because we have a metric shit ton of uh, holidays for February 2nd. <laughs> it's kind of one of those where you're like, okay, I get it. <laughs> it's fancy. Jeez. Um, all right, so we still have in bulk happening in the background, right? Whatever pagan bonfire, naked whatnotery is happening with that, okay? Um, but what else is happening on this day? Well, we have from our Catholic friends and ancestors, Candle Mass, which is one of the more popular names for this holiday. So what specifically is Candle Mass? Well, this was the day that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem 40 days after he was born to present him in the temple. This is a very holy moment. This also marks um, Mary's ritual purification after childbirth. So boom, right there within the candle mass symbolism, we have a purification ritual and a rededication to faith, right? We're bringing the kid back to the temple. Boom, this is what we're doing. Okay. The name of the feast candle mass specifically refers to the tradition of bringing beeswax candles for blessing to the church that will then be used throughout the year. Specifically, those candles are lit only during storms and placed in windows to protect the home from storms. And as we know, storms and weather deities and storm deities, lightning, thunder deities, big deal at this time of year, especially during Aquarius season. So very interesting that here in this Catholic <laughs> celebration, we're blessing candles Kind of a big deal, right? Fire uh, for use during storms and protection during storms. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, from our friends, more more Catholic friends, sorry. <laughs> we have Candelaria. Uh, this is in dedication to the Virgin of Candelaria, also known as Our Lady of the Candle. This is a Black Madonna in a crown as the queen of heaven, holding uh, the child Jesus in one hand and a candle in the other. We love. Also on this day, we have Groundhog's Day. This is a traditional festival, mostly in America, but kind of in Europe too, sort of. Um, TLDR, is Groundhog's Day actually connected to Imbolc? Yes. Why? Because it is literally the crone coming up from underground doing some stuff and then going back under the ground. 
Um, that is where the groundhog tradition comes from. There's a big old piece up on my website um, and you can read all about it. Also on this day, we have from our Yoruba friends and ancestors, the Feast of Oya. Oya is an Orisha of winds, lightning, violent storms, death and rebirth. Hmm, where have we heard all of these words before? <laughs> she is similar to the Haitian Loa Maman Brigitte, who is syncretized with the Catholic Saint Brigid. In case you didn't know. Uh, in Yoruba, the name Oya is morphologically coined from Oya, which means she tore. She is the mother of nine because of nine children that she gave birth to, all of them being stillborn, suffering from a lifetime of barrenness. Now, what I think is really interesting here is that in Oya, we have the combination of St. Brigid and Calaic. Because Calaic, of course, is overseeing our lightning, our violent storms, death and rebirth. Um, and she absolutely is the crone that would be overseeing a mother giving birth to nine stillborn children. Like that's very crone imagery. Um, but at the same time, she's syncretized with Maman Brigitte, or she is Maman Brigitte. She is St. Brigid. So she is also that fiery light goddess. And there are many traditions out there that insist that Brigid and Calaic are the same goddess, or they are aspects of the same energy form. So interesting stuff. Not to say that Yoruba came out of the Irish or the Celtic stuff at all. Just saying that these systems um, these uh, entities in these pantheons work the same way. They do a lot of the same things and they work the same way with each other. And it's really cool. All right. From our Norse friends and ancestors, we have the holiday of Bari. Now, this is an interesting uh, holiday that has left a lot of folks stumped, but I found an interesting little piece of information in there. In Norse mythology, Bari is the place where Freyr and Gerder are to consummate their union, as stated in one of the, you know, Edas. Uh, it has several meanings, the word Bari, but specifically it's connected to pine needle, conifer, tree, um, and or grain, specifically barley. So we have our evergreen connection here, right? We already know that evergreens are a, if you didn't know, go watch the Yule class, but evergreens are a wildly huge, popular, and important symbol archetype family uh, that we work with all throughout winter season. And so here we have a holiday that's talking about a place, but it's really like an evergreen grove or a conifer forest um, where these two deities go to knock sacred boots, as we like to say. <laughs> um, I think the grain and barley connection there is also very interesting because we are blessing seeds right now. Um, and we are blessing, uh, uh, grain right now that is going to be planted soon. Is that what that connection is? I don't know. I just think that that's really interesting. Okay. From our Estonia friends, um, we have the blessing of the happy woman's candle. This is also called candle day or women's candle day. This is a celebration of breaking the winter in half. Um, and again, we talked about this in the last couple of weeks <laughs> where we are going to see a whole bunch of these holidays and festivals that are all about ending the chaos of winter and stepping into the order, stepping back really, or forward into the order of the natural world, right? Like let, let's have the trees grow things and let's have the grass grow on the ground. And you know how things are supposed to be all this upside down 
backwards forward stuff of Yule and, and winter where everything, the sun doesn't even rise. Bah, right. So we're, we're going to see a lot of these um, festivals where winter is being broken. Winter is being stopped. Winter is being ended. So here too, with the blessing of the happy women's candle. Um, according to the folk calendar, it's the first women's holiday when they can set aside their work, go have fun and drink wine. It is said that the backbone and the heart of winter are broken on candles day. Different rituals include cooking food, um, porridge and pork are, are very traditional at this time. Another tradition is making candles. According to the belief, uh, the candles made on this day burn more brightly. Candle day is the first major holiday for women uh, in Estonia. They can go to the pub and relax while men stay home and do the house chores. And women also, as a tradition, should drink red wine, goddess bless, or any kind of red beverage. Uh, because it makes them look healthy and rosy-cheeked. I'm sure with enough glasses of wine, we all look rosy-cheeked. <laughs> and of course, this is connected to Candlemas Day. The candles that are made on this day will be consecrated and blessed, um, used to you know ensure the health and safety of, of family members and the members of the um, village and whatnot. Also on this day, I told you we had 150 holidays on this day <laughs> from our Shinto friends and ancestors, excuse me, not our Shinto, our Chinese friends and ancestors, we have Setsubun Sai. Um, this is the traditional spring season beginning. Um, and this will run all the way through early May. It consists of six solar terms or, um, you know, six solar uh, chunks, basically. Uh, in some East Asian cultures, there are special celebrations dedicated to the beginning of spring, um, all of that good stuff. Okay. Also on this day, we have from our Roman friends and ancestors, the Dies Natalis of the Temple of Juno Sospita. So as we've talked about in the past, the Dies Natalis of a temple is the day of birth of the temple. And that moment can mean a bunch of different things. It can be the moment that the site was picked. It could be the moment that the first stone was laid. It could be the moment that the last stone was laid and the temple is now finally ready to be open. The Natalis moment was a bunch of different things. But let's talk about Juno Sospita. Who is this goddess? Ancient etymologies associated Juno's name with Ayuvar, which means to aid or to benefit, and ayuvenesir, to rejuvenate, sometimes connecting it to the renewal of the new and waxing moon, implying perhaps the idea of a moon goddess, referring to a concept of vital energy or fertile time, right? And of course, that idea of using the moon to mark when a person was going to be fertile would have been very popular and well-known during this time period. The Ayuvenus is he who has the fullness of vital force. In some inscriptions, Jupiter himself is called Ayuntus, and one of the epithets of Jupiter, Jupiter is Ayoviste, a superlative form of Ayun, meaning the youngest. In the Roman calendar, February is a month of universal purification and begins the new year, which we will talk about that more in just a second. Um, and so what are we doing with this holiday or what are we doing with this goddess? Well, the image of Juno Suspita basically indicates 
um, one, perhaps a lunar goddess at the very beginning of the lunar phase, right? The youth, the start, the beginning. But there's also something in here about rejuvenation. There's something in here about life force, vital energy, the coming up of that energy. So there's, so perhaps Juno Suspita is being witnessed as the new moon that's just starting and coming up into the world. But I also feel like Juno Suspita is being recognized here as sort of a goddess of rejuvenation, a goddess of restarting the energy, restarting the life force or restarting the vital force, which again is a major theme here in Imbolc season that we have been in the lands of the dead and we are firing back up the spirit and bringing ourselves back up into life and light. Also on this day, <laughs> we have from our Roman friends and ancestors, Calendae Februare. Um, Februaris uh, is the name of this month in Roman calendars. Um, in the oldest Roman calendar, which the Romans believed to have been instituted by their legendary founder, Romulus, March was the first month, which would make February the last month. Um, and so this was... Uh, 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 the the rest of the year, basically um, February or Februarus contained whatever amount of days were left until spring equinox happened. Sometimes that was less than 30. Sometimes it was more than 30. It was just whatever had to happen. Um, now, ancient sources derived Februarus from the word Februum, which is a thing used for ritual purification, which we've talked about a lot. Most of the observances in this month concern the dead or closure, reflecting the month's original position as the end of the year. And some of the holidays that we are going to see in this coming month are Parentalia, which is a nine-day festival honoring the ancestors and propitiating the dead. Then we also have Terminalia, which literally is the termination point of the year and includes, we'll talk about it when we get to it, but it includes... Um, an actual physical ritual, not just marking the year, but literally going to the end of the property and being like, this is the end. <laughs> so the month, the Roman month of February kicks off on this day because of course we are just after the new moon. Also on this day from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have the month of Anthesterion. Of all of the months, only the eighth, and yes, this is the eighth month of the Greek ancient Greek calendar, Anthesterion was named directly after the major festival celebrated in its month, the Anthesteria, which, of course, we will get to. Um, this is uh, to mark sort of the beginning of spring um, for the ancients, particularly the maturing of the wine stored at the previous vintage, whose pithoi were now ceremoniously opened. And so not to get too into it, because we're going to get into it uh, as these holidays actually pop up, but we have Pithoigia, we have Choez, and we have Chaitroy, which are three festivals that are going to take place within the bigger festival, Anthesteria. And they literally are the jar, the opening of the jar, and the pouring out of the jar um, hello, Aquarius symbolism, anybody that's literally, what? <laughs> um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes along with these. 
Um, everybody's allowed to hang out, lots of partying, lots of enjoying, lots of uh, pouring out libations for the dead, tipping, tipping out for the homies, I believe, is a way that that's put in the modern era. Um, and lots of offerings to Hermes Cathonios, a.k.a. Hermes of the underworld, Hermes of the dead, Hermes of the, the lands of the dark, um, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of cool stuff. Um, one of my favorite things, a Greek proverb employed of those who pestered for continued favors ran out of doors, carries it is no longer anthesteria, meaning quit asking for shit. <laughs> Get out of here. Now, the name anthesteria is usually connected to anthes, um, which ultimately connects back to the idea of flower, like a flower. And this is cognate with Sanskrit and has the soma plant and may have referred to the bloom of the grape vine. But there is another person that kind of feels like this is a feast of revocation. And basically this was a moment to pray up in reverence to the aspects of the festival where the dead were considered to walk amongst the living. So lots of stuff going on with that. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to February 3rd, shall we? All right. February 3rd. We still have our waxing moon hanging out in Pisces. So we are still doing that Pisces dreamy lunar work and reflection, or maybe we're just sleeping a lot. You do you. <laughs> so let us scooch directly to the astrology uh, where we will discover Mercury stationing direct at 24 degrees Capricorn. How lovely. Um, so now we get to go back over whatever came up for us in this last retrograde cycle and rectify it or integrate that information. That's really what's up, right? What are we doing in Capricorn? We've already talked about a little bit this week. So we've got cap vibes in the air, right? But Capricorn is all about structures that we inherit, the mountains that we feel obligated to climb, what grandpa told us about the world, what dad, quote unquote, told us about the world, the way that we dad our lives, right? Um, and so what new information, maybe what old information has come back up? What made itself known on these topics? And what are you going to do about it? Hey, eh? what are you going to do about it in this new year? We're here with this brand new moon at the beginning of the year, the beginning of the lunar year, beginning, beginning, beginning. We got lots and lots and lots of start, 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 initiate, begin, open up energy around us. A lot of this is not, I have to run out of the door day one, hour one with my, my perfect plan and my perfect product. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about waking up the process of beginning to start to initiate, to unfold, to open up, to begin that thing. The other thing that's happening on February 3rd that I think is really cool, astrologically speaking, is when Mer Mercury stations direct, it will signal that all of the planets that can be retrograde will be direct. All planets will be moving in the direction that they're supposed to be moving in. This can mean all kinds of things, but one of the things that it means is all of the planets are acting the way that you expect them to act, which makes planning things and initiating things a hell of a lot easier 
because you know what to expect, right? Saturn is acting like Saturn. Okay, cool. That means I can rely on it to say no, but also to bring a lot of structure. Jupiter is acting the way that supposed to that Jupiter is supposed to act. So I know I can rely on Jupiter for an emphatic yes, but I can also rely on Jupiter for expanding my understanding, expanding my awareness, you know, all that stuff. Mars is acting the way it's supposed to be acting. So I can count on Mars for an emphatic fuck yeah and you know more gas in the gas tank, right? All that stuff. Um, as of February 3rd until April 29th, I believe all planets will be direct. So this is just a really potent springtime astrologically um, for that stuff. Okay. What else is happening on this day? Not too much. We have the heliacal rising of the fixed star dorsum, which just marks uh, the back of the sea goat, aka Capricorn. We have solar in bulk on this day. Um, and this is sort of an astrological, astronomical marker, because what this marks is the literal moment that Earth in its orbit around the sun is halfway between winter solstice and spring equinox. When we have the cross-quarter holidays, that's Imbolc, Beltane, Lunasa, and Samhain, we have the day that we mark it on the calendar, but then we have the moment that actually fits to what we're doing in the orbit of Earth around the sun. And so that's what this is. Um, and it marks, it's marked at, for tropical astrology, 15 degrees of Aquarius. Um, so there's that. Okay. Also happening on this day, we have running from February 3rd to February 18th, Li Chun. And this is the start of spring for our Chinese friends and ancestors. And this is an extension of that um, big two week. This is this is that two week festival that we were talking about a couple days ago with Lunar New Year. It's like, da-da, Lunar New Year. And now this big multi-day festival that is the start of spring. All right. Let's head on to February 4th. But before that, how about an ad? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you a bajillion billion times. See, the, the sirens are going off even as I say it. Um, thank you so, so much to my patrons. Um, you guys don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. Thank you so much. Uh, you can sub for as little as a dollar if you just think this podcast is dope and you want to support it. Uh, I don't run ads on the podcast, um, partly because I don't want to and partly because I won't get paid even if I do. Uh, so screw them, man. Um, you can sub, as I said, for as little as a buck or $5 even if you want to just support the podcast. And this is plenty of information. But if you want even more information, um, you know, extra podcasts, extra videos, extra information about the Wheel of the Year, magical practices, tarot, etc., etc., uh, subbing at the higher levels, you get all kinds of cool free stuff. And at the even higher levels, uh, you get free readings every month with me um, to be able to integrate all of this information into your personal life based on what's going on in your natal chart and all of that other good stuff. Join and change your life forever or, you know, whatever. Thanks so much for the support. If you can't support financially, I completely understand because life sucks on earth right now. It's too expensive 
for everything. Um, tell a friend, share it on social media, uh, give it a thumbs up. If you're feeling especially hedonistic, you can leave a rating or a review. All right. That's the end of the ad. Let's get back to the podcast. February 4th finds us enjoying, perhaps, <laughs> a waxing crescent moon in Aries at zero degrees at 825 a.m. Pacific Standard Time later in the day for everybody else around the planet. Now, this is going to build on that work that we were doing with our Pisces moon, right? I'm asking you to go into your fantasy, kind of reflect on that. Why am I fantasizing about this? And then ultimately asking myself or asking yourself, um, you know, what brings me back? What brings me back to the physical world? So now as we continue to drift through in bulk season and dream, this Aries crescent moon is asking us, what do I still believe in? Right? So we, we are beginning that question really with what brings me back to the physical world? What pulls me away from my fantasy realms? What brings me back to my body? What brings me back to this reality? And Aries is kind of saying like, let's double down on that. What do I believe in? Like what am I, you know, and, and I feel like these questions will probably have very similar answers. In bulk season is a time for dreaming and expanding our imagination as widely as possible so that our seeds for spring are as rich as possible in potential. So this moon wants us to courageously ask ourselves, what do I still believe is possible? This is a great moon for starting projects, but specifically starting in the heart or starting in the spirit way more than starting in the physical world. Again, this is something that we are talking about here in in bulk season. We are dreaming, but we are also coming back from the lands of the dead and we need to engage in activities that are going to ignite our souls again. That thing. Okay. While we are working with this waxing crescent moon in Aries for our lunar body, we are awakening, stimulating for action and adorning the head, the face, the scalp, the hair, the eyes, the sinuses, and the brain. These are all the parts of the body that are ruled by Aries. And for our plant body work, we are harvesting, we are pruning, we are checking our plants for insects and diseases, we are plowing, and we are weeding all for above ground growth. Okay. What do we have going on on this day otherwise? Well, <clears throat> astrologically, we have Mars in Capricorn, sextile Jupiter in Pisces at eight degrees, and we also have the Sun conjunct Saturn in Aquarius at 15 degrees. And on the surface, these two astrological aspects or signatures kind of are in argument with each other because Mars sextile Jupiter is like a super high, generally speaking, can be, I should say, a super high physical energy day. Sun conjunct Saturn is traditionally a super low physical energy day. So maybe these two cancel each other out. That might be one way you experience it. It might be that you feel super powerful part of the day and are super lethargic the other half of the day. Could be that too. Um, but where I think that these things work together very nicely, in fact, um, is Mars loves being in Capricorn. 
Saturn, of course, is the natural ruler of Capricorn. So there is something about structure and stability and organization and planning that's like really supported by these two signatures happening on the same day. So Mars sextile Jupiter, great for actions and forward progress of all kinds. And again, traditionally, we would think of that first and foremost in the physical world because of the physical power that shows up with this aspect, but it doesn't have to be something that's expressed physically. And then when we think about that sun conjunct Saturn and Aquarius, this is great for getting all kinds of organizing or planning done, creating structures, creating containers, that kind of thing. So if we want to be super literal with this, if you have a yard, if you have outdoor plant containers, that kind of thing, it could be something about that. Um, but this could be sitting very nicely with the lunar work that we're doing this week. Um, this could be a really fantastic day for feeling passionate, for feeling optimistic, but also grounded and very centered in your sense of self. That's Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and the sun coming together to think up a big dynamic plan for the year. Mars is like, we can do more. Jupiter is like, absolutely, yes, forever. The sun is like, here's what I care about. And Saturn is like, that's super great, but here's actually the container that we're going to need to make that happen. <laughs> here's the literal steps. And we want that. We want, with all of that power and yes, and why not, and sure, let's go for it between the sun, Mars, and Jupiter, we need Saturn's sensibility to come in and go, these are all really great ideas, how about some structure for these really great ideas? So this could be a, a super cool day astrologically for really digging in on what your plans might be for this coming year. Great timing for this, honestly. It's really, really cool. Okay. Moving on to the holy days of February 4th. I have not much to say because I talked about all of these in the Imbolc class. <laughs> so from our Hindu friends and ancestors, we have Vasant Panchami, which is uh, this big giant festival dedicated to the incredible, um, hyper-intelligent, wildly skillful, super dope uh, goddess Saraswati. And then also on this, which we talk about in the class, so you gotta go listen, I'm not, gonna, I'm not repeating myself. Uh, <laughs> that's a lie. I repeat myself all the time, but I'm putting it. Okay. Also on this day, uh, we have Brigantia from our Celtic friends and ancestors, King Frost Day from our Celtic friends and ancestors, Disting from our Teutonic friends and ancestors, Dieseblot from our Norse friends and ancestors. And all of these are discussed in the Imbolc video. Go check it out. But TLDR, these are all days dedicated to the goddess Bridget, um, the spirit of winter, um, and especially with Disting and Dieselblot, that conversation of chaos and order and seeing chaos and recognizing chaos and bringing it into order. Also on this day from our friends and ancestors in Thailand, we have the Chiang Mai Flower Festival. And this is very similar to that multi-week uh, Lunar New Year Festival that we're seeing in other parts of Asia. Let's move on now to February 5th. All right, our waxing moon is still in Aries. So we are still working with that, what do I believe in? What am I fired up about? What am I carrying a torch for kind of energy? Um, we have no astrology of note for this day. So let us move on directly to the holy days of February 5th. 
And approximately from February 5th to February 13th, we find the Iroquois midwinter ceremony from our Iroquois friends and ancestors. Um, I say approximately, and I talk about this a lot with uh, our modern and ancient Native American practices. Um, we have, these folks have experienced a lot of history erasure. And so sometimes these festivals are held approximately when folks believe that they were held. Then also we have fixed stars are a big part of timekeeping for Native American groups. Lunar cycles are a big timekeeping piece and weather is a big timekeeping piece. And so sometimes these festivals happen after a particular moon um, and that's going to be relatively universal. But if it's made, if it's based on a, the rising of a fixed star, that can be different by several weeks just because of altitude. If somebody's very, very low in a valley and surrounded by mountains, it could be weeks before they actually see the rising of the star because it has to get over whatever's on the horizon versus a group of people that are living up on a plateau and the horizon is very low in the sky. They're going to see that heliacal rising happen significantly earlier, still within the same part of the year though, but can be different by several days or even weeks. And then Lots of Native American ceremonies are based on the weather. And so it's when the storm season begins to roll in or when the storm season appears to be ending and is rolling out. And of course, that has nothing to do with fixed stars or moons or anything like that. Again, same part of the year, but the days can can be very, very varied. Very, very varied. <laughs> so from approximately February 15th to February 13th, February 5th to February 13th, we have the midwinter ceremony from our Iroquois friends and ancestors. This is for the continuation of all life sustaining things. And it is celebrated with tobacco offerings, singing, drumming, dancing, name giving and dream telling. How perfect, right? Uh, the Iroquois believe Awen High or Sky Woman created the sun and moon and stars from her body, and that deity is also really important at this time of year. Also on this day from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Dies Natalis of the Temple to Concordia. Now, in ancient Roman religion, Concordia is the goddess who embodies agreement in marriage and in society. And we are going to talk about this deity a lot, well, some, throughout the year. Her Greek equivalent is usually regarded as harmonia with musical harmony as a metaphor for an ideal of social concord or intente in the political discourse. She was thus often associated with pacts or peace in representing a stable society. And as such, she is more closely related to the Greek concept of homonoia or like-mindedness, which was also represented by a goddess. We will see a lot of these types of holidays throughout the year. The Romans absolutely held holidays that were like reminders to the public on how to behave correctly. So I'm curious as to like what that's going to look like in our modern era, because uh, the U.S. does a bunch of these holidays. The West in really does a lot of these same holidays. They're totally called something else. But you look at the descriptions and you're like, that's literally the same thing. All right. Side note to this, Harmonians and Discordians, which are two modern uh, magical groups equate Concordia with a goddess named 
aneris. Her opposite is thus Discordia, or the Greek god Eris, goddess Eris, who is Ares's twin sister. Back to the idea that we are breaking away from the chaos of winter and inviting in entities, deities, archetypes, etc., that embody order or form or harmony in of some kind. All right, let's move on to February 6th. All right, our waxing moon enters Taurus on February 6th, and this is a moon for simple and straightforward order and manifestation in the physical world. Do a cleaning project. If you have a yard or an outdoor area, this might be a great moment in our lunar cycle to head out and start looking at like what has changed so far in winter, what needs to be repaired, what needs to be cleaned or put back to rights. <clears throat> maybe some things have fallen over. Um, maybe some things have grown wild, you know, that kind of thing. Um, this is a great moon for picking up trash, doing cleanup near a waterway or a shared walking trail. Um, but here's what I want from you. First off, I want you to pick a project in the physical world. Yes, we could balance a checkbook or, you know, clean out a social media account, but because it's in Taurus, it is really about the physical world. And after the like dreamy moment of Pisces of like being in our fantasy and kind of like, mm, what brings me back from the fantasy world? And then Aries being like, what do I believe in? What am I passionate about? Air Taurus is like, what am I physically doing with my fucking hands? Like, give me something to do. <laughs> so a, we want to channel that process now into the physical world. One, two, B, whatever counting method I'm using here to talk. <laughs> I want you to pick something that you can finish. I want you to pick something that you can see a, a beginning, a middle, and an end to. That might mean that you need to chop a project in half. That might mean that you need to go a little underwhelming with what your goal is. That's okay. The point is to complete it. Um, because we need a little bit of that satisfaction here on the physical plane to remind us like, oh yeah, I do stuff. Things happen and uh, and uh, objects occur. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember how to do this. That thing. <laughs> so we need a little bit of like positivity. We need a little satisfaction. We need a little piece of candy. <laughs> so pick a project or create a project that you can see the start, middle, and finish of. Okay. But while you are working on this, I want you to focus on a couple of things. So we know what your hands are doing. It's whatever your project is. But what are you doing internally? One, I want you to think about the sense of ownership that develops in you as you build or you attend to this project, whatever it is that you're doing. Feel that. Feel how you start to take this thing on as like, yeah, I know what this thing's about. You know, I share in uh, the responsibility for this thing. I care about it. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm connected to it. Explore that. Allow that to come up for you and witness it in yourself. And two, I want you to consider that in making, there is always destruction. And in bringing something about, there is always something that is going to be destroyed or obliterated. That's all. I don't need you to go anywhere with that thought. I just need you to consider it. As you come into the world after this lunar cycle that we've been working with and Taurus is like, I got to make something. I got to make something happen in the physical world. Do it. 
Consider the ownership that you feel and also consider the process of what had to be taken apart, moved aside, destroyed, undone, so that this thing could be made, done, realized, produced, birthed. That. Okay. For our lunar body work with this waxing moon in Taurus, we are adorning, awakening, and stimulating for action the ears, nose, sort of, but really the ears, the throat, the um, neck, the mouth, the teeth, the tongue, anything on or in our body that is connected to listening and speaking, all ruled by Taurus. So we are awakening, adorning, and stimulating for action, all of those parts of our body. And for our uh, plant buddy, plant body <laughs> work that we're doing, we are planting, transplanting, and grafting. Our astrology for this day, because that's really all that we have going on. We have Mars in Capricorn, square Chiron in Aries at nine degrees. So what is this possibly going to manifest as sacred warrior issues, possibly feeling defensive around personal wounds or feeling guilt or shame um, on topics like the places where the pressures of tradition and the constriction of society fight with our desire to express our true selves. And this, I think, is why that Taurus lunar work is so helpful today with a astro signature like this. We can build a tiny little moment for ourselves. We can have a little moment of like a tiny triumph is what I always called it when I was going through chemotherapy. It was like, hey, I pulled up my own pants. Tiny triumphs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! Check it out. So with this Mars square Chiron, it can feel like a real assault. It can feel like a real jab from the universe of like, meh, you're doing it wrong. Meh, you'll never be enough or, you know, whatever your gross, funky inner narrative uh, thing is. Um, and so a really good medicine to that is, no, I'm going to do a thing in the world today. It doesn't have to be all the things. It doesn't have to be to fix the whole planet. I'm just going to clean this one walkway or this one nature trail that I like to walk on. Or I'm going to organize this one thing in a corner of the room. I'm going to get this one portion of the dishes done today. I'm going to get one whole bag of laundry done. That thing. That thing. It's good for us. Okay. The only holy day, as it were, <laughs> that we have for February 6th. And I actually, I, I looked this up and I wasn't going to include it in the calendar. And I just, I like it too much. I had to. From February 6th to 8th, uh, this is a global holiday. This is World Days Without Phones and Smartphones. That's right. <laughs> if it is at all possible for you, February 5th, excuse me, February 6th, 7th, and or the 8th, Put your phone aside. Leave your smartphone at home. Uh, leave it on the desk. Leave it across the room. Do as little without it as you can during these days, just to give yourself a refresher and as also a magical method of bringing yourself back to the physical plane, to the real, actual physical world. Put the screens down. All right, let's move on to February 7th. All right, this is our final day of the lunar week, February 7th. We still have our waxing moon hanging out in Taurus, so we are still doing that yard work or laundry or, you know, building our tiny empire, <laughs> maybe out of Legos. I don't know. 
Um, and we have no astrology of note for this day either. That's what I'm saying. I told you. <laughs> we have very little astrology of note this week. So let us move directly on to the holy days, of which we only have two. Uh, but pretty cool stuff. So uh, from our pagan friends and ancestors, we have the day of Selene. Now, this is a uh, modern pagan wheel of the year calendar holiday that we find. Uh, the wheel of the year, as I have talked about a lot on the podcast, um, the wheel of the year, the practice of and observance of the wheel of the year has grown more and more popular over the last 20 years. And there are tons of different websites around the, the internet that have put up calendars with lists of pagan or pagan affiliated holidays. Some of these are absolutely based in history. Some of them are absolutely not. Um, some of them are approximately around the time that that thing might have been celebrated in the ancient world. Does it really matter if they're absolutely accurate? I kind of don't think that it does, especially when the deity uh, of note is being celebrated basically in the same time of year that it would make sense to celebrate them. Who cares if it's, you know, the seventh instead of the 15th, like whatever, it, 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 cool, <laughs> awesome. So on this day, we have the day of Selene. In Greek mythology, Selene literally means moon and is a goddess of the moon. So here we have another moon goddess situation coming in, right? We had um, Juno Sopi so Sopita at the beginning, Sospita, excuse me, at the beginning of the, of the week with all of these lunar elements about her. And now here at the end of the week, we have uh, a modern pagan placement of an ancient Greek lunar goddess holiday. She is the daughter of the Titans Hyperion and Theia. She's the sister of the sun god Helios and the dawn goddess Eos. She drives her moon chariot across the heavens. The name Selene is derived from the Greek noun meaning light or brightness or gleam. Selene was also called Mene or Mene. The Greek word Mene meant the moon and the lunar month. And yes, this is where we get words like menses from. But what's interesting is the masculine form of mena, men, was also the name of the Phrygian moon god, men. Yeah, god, not goddess. Uh, very important to remember that with pretty much all of our celestial deities, they've all been all of the genders. So don't get too tied to any one thing. They literally have all been all of the genders. The Greek Stoic philosopher Chrysippus interpreted Selene as men, as respectively the female and male aspects of the same god. In late accounts, Selene, like the moon itself, is often described as having horns. In the Orphic hymn to Selene, uh, she is addressed as O bull-horned moon. And isn't that great? Because the moon is in Taurus on this day. Hello. <laughs> Come on. It's, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. It's not. It's not. <laughs> um, uh, also described as femul feminine and masculine. According to Virgil, uh, Celine also had a tryst with the god Pan. She actually had she or they, let's be real, right? The, this is a deity that's described as a goddess, but also described as basically every gender you can think of. So they had lots of flings with lots of different deities, love. 
Um, also had a tryst with the god Pan, who, I love this, seduced her with a snowy bribe of wool. Part of the seduction, Pan wrapped himself in a sheepskin. Now think about all of that wool energy and wool symbolism that we talked about in the class. What? 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 It's too good. It's, it's literally too good. Okay. <laughs> also on this day from our Irish friends and ancestors, we have St. Mel's Day. Uh, St. Mel is said to have had the gift of prophecy. He accepted Bridget of Kildare's profession as a nun and served as her mentor. So St. Bridget, who we talked about earlier in the week, St. Mel turned out to be her mentor and known as uh, a prophet known to prophesy. Um, at some point he was, uh, uh, accused of getting up to some sort of devilish behavior and to testify his innocence, Mel plowed up a live fish in the middle of his field. Now, I don't know why that in particular would be the thing that'd be the go-to thing of like, I'm innocent, look, a fish, <laughs> but hello, how much fish imagery are we working with during in bulk season? A lot, actually. So very interesting that this guy digs up a fish out of a field. Uh, if you remember from last week when we talked about St. Bridget, or excuse me, St. Dwynen, uh has a sacred well that has sacred fish in the bottom that prophesy future events. What? Okay. <laughs> the other interesting thing, maybe, about Mel's Feast Day, the 7th of February, is that in the modern era, it has become a holiday for single people. Basically, sort of totally not related, but kind of related, because in bulk season is very much about uh, isolation in some ways, but it's also about knocking boots in some ways. So, interesting. Uh, I don't know about the single person thing, but, you know, what are you going to do? All right, uh, let's get into the wrap-up for this week, shall we? All right, my friends, to wrap it up, uh, for our lunar phases this week, we are working from Aquarius into Taurus. And so we are continuing on with those fixed signs and that fixed sign energy taking over and grounding us in the center of, as, of winter as we move through the middle of the winter season. For our astrology for this week, let me bust my book out, make sure that I've got everything in front of me because I don't feel like I do. Okay. Starting January 31st, we have nothing. Okay, that's right. We have almost no astrology of note this week. That's really kind of weird. On January 3rd, we have Mercury stationing direct at 24 degrees of Capricorn. On January 4th, we have Mars and Capricorn sextile Jupiter and Pisces at eight degrees. And we also on that same day have the sun conjunct Saturn in Aquarius at 15 degrees. And then on the sixth, we have Mars and Capricorn square Chiron in Aries at nine degrees. And I don't think we have anything for the seventh. Do we know it? No, we don't. Very little astrology to pay attention to this week, which is kind of nice, kind of nice, honestly. 
Um, next week, it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> uh, we have Mercury entering Aquarius next week. We also have this really interesting thing happening or starting to happen with Venus and Mars begin to do this really cool dance up in the sky. Um, what else do we have happening next week? Mars is going to trine Uranus. Mercury is going to conjunct Pluto. No big deal. Everybody calm down. Um, the sun square the notes. Yeah, you know, just basic stuff, honestly. But again, not too much astrology next week either, which in a way I really love. I think we need a bit of a break <laughs> from having like 80 million things to deal with or to think about at all times on top of, you know, 80 million other things to deal with and think about. Um, but also because it really gives us an opportunity to focus on the astro moments that we are having and like really feel them, really sense them. Um, so do that this week. That's your homework. <laughs> you have plenty of homework. I'm not going to give you any more. <laughs> um, all right, my friends, uh, take care of yourselves. Dream, dream as big and as boldly and as ridiculously as you possibly can. The future depends on it. Blessed be, heathens. <laughs>